That story is not nearly as good, though, as the story of how my parents actually got to the hospital that night. They dodged army personnel who were out roaming the streets, enforcing the 11pm state-imposed curfew, and they braved this alone, an extremely unusual situation for the firstborn of the firstborn in Sudanese culture. The rest of the family wasn't expecting me for another week, and were caught up at another hospital, supporting an ill aunt. When my mother started feeling something in her belly as she got into bed that night and suggested to my father that they drive to the hospital, they got into the car quietly and without the usual fanfare, unaware of what lay ahead. Nothing to do with an oppressive regime, but all to do with an addition to the family. Sure, I was not due for another week, but I guess I was too excited to wait. Bubble or no bubble, Yasmin was coming out to get amongst it. I was born in Sudan in 1991, in the aftermath of the coup by Omar Hassan Ahmed al-Bashir, a man who, decades later, still runs and ruins the nation. We, my mother, father and I, lived in an apartment above my paternal grandmother's house. This is still the traditional thing to do in Khartoum, the capital of Sudan. Typically, the main family grows up in one house, and as the children mature, the family builds apartments above. This allows the extended family to have some space, yet all share the same building, in the spirit of communal living that is the bedrock of Sudanese culture. We inhabited a modest flat with two small rooms, as well as a dining room, lounge and kitchen, with my cousins on the same level next door, in a different but similarly sized apartment. After we left Sudan, my other aunt's family moved into our old place, and so although we never lived in the apartment again, we were regular visitors, returning from Australia to visit Sudan every two years. My other aunt's family extended our old apartment from two rooms to three, in an attempt to contain the rowdiness of the kids to a separate area. The apartments were built for multiple families to be closely connected, so the bathrooms connected bedrooms and the kitchen in our apartment had a window above the sink that opened into the front corridor of the apartment next door, an early Sudanese version of intercom. The parents would use it to discuss family trips or coordinate school pickups, and, as the kids grew older, the window was a portal we whispered important information through, like what time we were going to be allowed outside to play, or making plans to meet up during our mandated hours of afternoon nap time without having to leave the house and risk the wrath of the parents. The aunt who moved into our apartment had a daughter only a few months younger than me, my cousin and first best friend, Aya. We grew up together, briefly in the same country, then on opposite sides of the world, literally taking baby steps at the same time. Aya and I are similar in many ways. We're both loud and social, and the firstborn in our families. We also both have a slightly rebellious streak, although it manifests itself in different ways in each of us. Her laugh is infectious. She's always up for an adventure and was always game to play. On our family visits to Sudan, Aya was my partner in crime, PIC, although sometimes we disagreed on what was fun. While I really wanted to play with things like the rock polisher I found in the cupboard, she thought that was lame, and, to be fair, most of the cousins agreed. It would take at least 16 hours to polish a rock, so their reluctance was understandable, but I loved the idea of creating something beautiful out of something so raw. At that time, every rock around me had the potential to be a thing of great value, no matter what it looked like. The rock polisher, a contraption owned by my father as a young boy, was like a mini tumble dryer chamber, 
powered by a small electric motor. You would load a few gems, rough rocks from the garden, into it, along with some polishing powder. The chamber would then be placed on a spindle and switched on, allowing it to slowly smooth the rocks into fabulous gems. Pictures on the front of the box were entrancing, gleaming quartz and cobalt globules placed against a blue background, juxtaposed against the before photos of rocks. Aya and the other cousins were never quite convinced, though, so we didn't polish any rocks on my visits. What we did both agree on was the fun value of cops and rubbers, or agbud al-harami, as it is called in Arabic. This was a game all the cousins could play, from the youngest who could barely walk through to Aya and me, the leaders of the rabble. We would hide outside the house, in alcoves on the outer walls, and chase one another around the ground floor, 